0: I'm Alicia Michaelisick-Kurtz, and welcome back to Real Talk, a place where healthcare workers share stories about their real human experiences working in medicine. On today's episode, we'll hear a story from Dr. Andres Anaya, an emergency physician who shared his story at a live Real Talk session in Fresno, California last year. Andres has a really unique story, in part because both of his parents are deaf. Andres will of course elaborate on this in just a minute, but his story brings up a theme that feels ridiculously pertinent to what's going on in the Black Lives Matter civil rights movement of today. This idea that we as a society, openly and more subtly, often assume things about people based on the way we perceive them to be. Whether it's a person with disabilities who's deaf or blind or it's a person of color, or an immigrant with an obvious accent, maybe a a young person, an older person. We as individuals and as a collective have these unconscious and sometimes very conscious biases and prejudgments that we've made, not only that affect our personal actions, but that permeate the systems we live in, our laws, business policies, payment structures, education systems, law enforcement programs, everything has the potential for discrimination, and sadly, often ends up with that discrimination deeply embedded in it. If we're not careful, the majority group, whether that majority be by skin color or gender or sex or age or whatever else is at risk of creating systems that punish or unfairly discriminate against the minority group. And when we do that, when we make assumptions about one group or another or leave them out of key decision-making, we rob our society of having things that are great. We rob them of more diverse opinions and viewpoints, more creative solutions, more beautiful art and music and culture, and just about everything else up to and including quality high school baseball umpiring. This is Andres's story.
1: So my parents are deaf. They're fully deaf. That means that they can't hear. So I grew up a little different than, than, than some people. Um, some of the questions that I get pretty commonly is, uh, do your parents read lips? And, you know, my response is usually... Well, no, because they're deaf and they've never actually learned how to hear. So they never learned how to read lips. Um, Some of the other questions I get is, uh, do my parents drive? And Well, you just can't help but smile and grin a little bit. Because my parents' vision is just fine. They can drive just fine. Um, One of the other ones is, is, what was it like growing up with deaf parents? And, you know, for me, I don't know anything different. But if you would have asked me growing up when I was a kid, I would have probably said it sucks because it was so demanding. As you know, the oldest child of uh, deaf parents, my relationship with my, with my parents, especially my dad, was uh, really close. They depended on me to be their form of communication to the world. So that meant that I had to mature at a really young age. Um, and so, you know, by the age of five, I was already translating for my parents, um, learning really, you know, mature things like how to refinance a house or or do a lot of other things that mostly grown-ups do. My dad was a big civil rights advocate. He did a lot of things for the deaf community. He is one of the smartest guys I know. He's one of the hardest working guys I know. Um, he was... One of the first deaf employees at the federal post office downtown, he was constantly always trying to show that deaf people can do anything that hearing people want to do, and uh, one of those things was is he wanted to be a deaf umpire, which, you know, on the surface sounds kind of impossible, right? But if you think about it, umpires don't really talk all that much; they make sounds, right? They don't really say anything for ball and for strike. They're like, strike. (laughs) And so I actually worked with my dad uh, to actually make that sound, how to make like a strike. (laughs) And he could call balls and strikes better than anybody. Um, The best would be when, you know, watching him be behind the plate, calling balls and strikes. And when a baseball coach like they do come running out of the dugout to yell at the the umpire for for some play and my dad would very calmly just pull out a pencil and a piece of paper (laughs) while this irate coach is yelling at him and start writing I'm deaf what is your question (laughs) the 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 coach the the look of bewilderment on their eyes almost as if he offended my dad would just calmly go it's fine never mind and go quietly back to the dugout. And my dad would go back to calling balls and strikes. And so I grew up here in Fresno and at McLean High School, every Wednesday night, there was an umpire meeting to go over the rules and everything else. And because of my dad's relationship and uh, mine, I was there with him lockstep in all of this. And so one Wednesday night, my dad wanted to know why he wasn't able to, to umpire varsity baseball. The ceiling that he got to was junior varsity. And this was after years of doing everything that was asked of him, literally everything, above and beyond, but never could get past the junior varsity level. So one night after the meeting was over, my dad asked if he could speak with the heads of uh, the umpire association. And uh, they took us into this room, and it was a stereotypical high school room. It had the little chairs, and then, you know, the teacher's desk at the front. The heads of the umpire association sat at the big table with the regular chairs and me and my dad, like children, were sitting in the classroom in these small chairs. And when you're translating for somebody, there's a, there's a delay. My dad would ask me a question. I have to process it and then be able to translate it and ask the question. And then when I get the response, I have to process it and then give it to my dad. And so there's this, there's this time delay when you know that you're gonna give bad news because in some way, even though you're not the one that's actually causing the bad news, you still have to deliver it. And that never felt very good. Um, so my dad asked, how come, why, why aren't I able to umpire varsity baseball? And without even really much thought, the the reply was, because you're deaf. And there's a pause, you know, and I didn't, God, that still me up. You know, 16, you know, like, how do you, how do you tell your dad who has worked his ass off his entire life, is intelligent and smart capable, and I have to turn to my left and tell him, you can't because you're deaf. Um, It's the first time I saw my dad cry. Man, there's that thing that just, it's this thing that I was 16 years old and this rage that you feel this like injustice. You're totally powerless. You literally... I have my dad to my left, who is a mountain of a man, and is crying. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just helpless. There's nothing I can do to right this situation. It's rage that you feel, man. It's just, when you put that kind of rage in a 16-year-old and no outlet for it, I just didn't know how to process it. You know, I didn't know how to do something with it, and so you know, I took that rage and I did not the most constructive things. I grew up in Calawah, in the south side of Fresno, where there's a lot of gang activity, a lot of people wear a lot of Fresno State gear, I'm not really Fresno State fans, but um, <laughs> I got into some trouble and um, I was locked up. I, you know, I should be potentially in prison right now if, if I would have kept going down that road. I got lucky. A judge gave me a second chance, but still that wasn't quite enough to really curtail that, that rage because, well, now what am I going to do? And so I started stacking diesel tires for a living out in uh, South Fresno at the Goodyear Tire Plant. And at 19, uh, that was my life. Um, one day, the, uh, the shop foreman says, Anaya, you know, the machine broke down. Get in there and fix it. I'm a blue-collar kid. I can fix anything. Turned off the machine. I crawled inside this machine. Half of my body was inside a steel box by myself in a warehouse, which, just as a heads up, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, right then, the hydraulic door came down on my back and arm, compressing me to an inch. So half of my body was inside a steel box and literally trying to cut me in two. And before that I had seen people get executed in front of me. I had guns pointed to my head. I'd seen that. Nothing faded me like being in that steel box. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was in that machine that I realized I actually wanted to live and that I wanted to do something with my life. Long story short, I said my first honest prayer I'd ever said, and right then, just like that, um, someone called out my name and they got me out of the steel box. It was definitely my first miracle. And uh, instead of taking me to the trauma center, they bypassed the trauma center and took me right here, (laughs) which, You know, which I guess I could call providence now, you know, I mean, but um, you know, maybe it was providence, but now I, I practice medicine. I am relentless when it comes to my patients, relentless. I make sure my patients feel like they got second to none healthcare. I may not always be able to fix their problems, but I can make sure that they know that anything that can be done is and will be done. I can make sure that they feel not less than or second-class citizen, because that's what my dad didn't feel like he got. So if there's anything that I can impart on you, it's probably this. We're not going to be able to cure all of our patients. We're not going to be able to make everybody better, and fix all their problems. But we can make sure that all of our patients are heard. Thank you.
0: Andreas's story reveals how his experience witnessing harsh and unfair discrimination of his father, coupled with his own personal resilience through an intense injury, have left him a relentless advocate for his patients. Andres' father was a skilled umpire, yet the system overseeing his work was based on rules and decisions being made by people who saw his deafness as a handicap, when in reality, it did not affect his work as an ump at all. There was no space whatsoever for those without a physical hearing impairment to actually consider the thoughts and perspectives of Andres' dad simply because he was deaf. Ironically, It was the non-hearing impaired who just didn't know how to listen. And because of that, the Varsity League lost out on having this awesome umpire present at their games. It was an actual loss for that community. There is strength and beauty and power in diversity. And there are clearly obvious changes that must be made on a systems level to create a more equal and just society. But part of the task is each of us Finding committed resolution in our own hearts to not stand for discrimination in our day-to-day experience, to intentionally advocate for what is right, to make sure every voice is heard. We must all be relentless for that one patient in front of us, for every person, every time. Be honest with yourself for a minute. And I mean brutally honest. When was a time that you made an assumption or conclusion about somebody else based on something that was different than you? Their disability or the color of their skin, their accent, their weight, their sex or their gender? If you could go back and do it again, how would or could you have handled that situation differently? What are you doing or could you do to actively combat discrimination around you? In your life, your workplace, or your hospital. What is one thing you will do this week to help make the voice of somebody around you actually be heard? Here at Real Talk, we believe that Black lives matter. To all of our listeners out there who are being discriminated against in any way, I hope you know, we hear you. You matter to us. And we are here to help you tell your story if you want to. Just email us to get started at realtalk@vituity.com. At Thank you to Andres and Naya for sharing his story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Alicia, and this is Real Talk.